Welcome to the Catapult Ed Next Gen Podcast, a podcast to educate the next generation towards a successful financial future. Hi everyone, my name is Tony Cat, Director of Catapult Wealth. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Today I'm talking to Tim Haslam, uh, Portfolio Manager from Catapult Wealth. Welcome Tim. Thanks once again to having me back against Tony. It's always a, it's always an honour. Thank you, buddy. Um, today um, we are talking about a very specific topic around uh, capital raisings in share markets, particularly, and a lot of people um, probably don't understand him how um, you know how uh, companies use share markets to raise money and 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 potentially what they use it for. Um, I'm going to kick off straight off the bat and and talk about if. Well, ask what are the different types of, of, particularly mainstream that retail clients will become involved with some corporate actions and things. How they'll be involved and be asked to kick in money, perhaps from time to time in the share market. Yeah, I mean, I think starting from the start, you've got an IPO, right? Yeah. So a company's going to list and they offer some shares to be bought at a you know what a slight discount to what they think market is. Yep. And that's the primary market. Yep. Then on the secondary market, if a, if a company wants to expand or if it's in trouble, whatever the reason might be. They can either fund it via debt yep. or equity, and uh, and they might not be able to do debt because maybe the banks have looked at their financials and they don't look very good, yes, or for whatever reason. But then I guess there's two ways of thinking the equity side of it. One is an institutional placement, mm-hmm. so that's when they go to high net worth clients, sophisticated you know institutions, yes, and they'll offer it. Usually they won't even tell the market initially, at least, yep, and they'll offer it at a slight discount to market, and and then they can raise millions very quickly. I think the limit is it limit oh, it used to be five percent. I reckon it might be now ten percent. There is a certain percentage that you can do without having to offer it to the broader shareholder base. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. But I mean, the reason why they might do that is so that you know traders don't get in front of it mm. <laughs> and uh, try and make some arbitrage. Absolutely. But then when it comes to the retail investors, like uh, like you know the listeners, yeah. Well, essentially, there's there's two main types, and that's a share purchase plan. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's a fixed dollar amount. Mm-hmm. So in the current situation, it's thirty thousand dollars worth, mm-hmm. maximum. Maximum. Yep. And then there's an enticement offer where it's a, it's a ratio of whatever how many shares you hold. Like for example, if, if for every five shares you hold, you might be able to buy one more share at a certain price, which and would be called a one. They do it. They, the definition of it is a one for five rights that's right, issue. That's right. Yeah. So so when you think about it, you've got one where it's a fixed dollar amount. Yep. And one where it's a ratio to your holdings. The difference being is fairness. And and that's one of the things that's really important with capital raisings when you think about it mm. is that when you share purchase plans can be unfair both ways. Mm. So for example, if you as a retail investor have one share in a stock, you might get offered thirty grand's worth at a great discount. And this mm. is what happened with Afterpay. Yeah. We have a we have a fellow in our office called Dylan and he got very lucky with that. <laughs> and he got to buy Afterpay at a, at a quite a large discount purely on thirty grand, as even to someone who had a million dollars worth, he still got to get thirty grand's worth, mm. and and so that's the good side of it. The bad side of it is where um, there's what's called an oversubscription. Mm. So you can apply for thirty grand. It happened with NAB during um, the mm. COVID crash. You don't get thirty grand, and mm. so it's a bit unfair. It's a bit unfair. They 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 proportion it to your current holding. Mm. But overall, it can be dilutive or benefit, and it's not quite even across the board. No, so. That's a share purchase plan. Can Pretty we, straightforward. So can we can we just talk about share purchase plans there for a minute? Just so that the, typically, and, and a lot of clients in have seen share purchase plans is probably the most common one we've come across in the last um, few years. You don't have to take up the full amount. Like there's some parameters around that. You, I think they do it in 
five thousand dollar increments. I can't yeah, remember. yeah, all all of them are slightly different, but you know, it's one, two, five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty five usually. And they set the price. Normally, it's always a five, ten percent discount to the current share price. They so, so it depends how confident they are. Sometimes it's a it's a straight dollar discount. Price, yep. Or sometimes they'll do a dollar discount or a percentage, whichever is lower. Yeah. And yeah, and so sometimes there've been cases where you know the price is just falling off a cliff for whatever reason, uh-huh. but that's a bit of a buffer. Because yeah. otherwise they have egg on their face when nobody takes no it. Take, yeah. And the other thing that then just in the mechanical side, because I think it's important people know how to do it too, is that they, they have to, if they want $30,000 worth, they have to pay the $30,000 up front. Yep. And that goes into the system and it's held on to probably for sometimes up to about a couple of weeks before then the company announces the results of that. And then they might get scaled back or they might get allocated the full amount, which um, you know, depending on, as Tim says, as to how much um, response they've had from from the individual shareholders. So you, you've you've got to pay up front and you may then get a refund that will then come back to your bank account. I think the other thing, key thing to note, Tim, what we get asked a lot about by um, our client base is you actually don't get a contract note. I know this sounds simple, but typical buying and selling, you get a contract note. With the SPPs, you don't. Um the only thing to keep an eye on is notifications, if you got it, is by your chess holding statement changing, mm. I think, from memory is the only um, – and then therefore you have to keep your tax records around that payment pretty careful, be pretty careful with it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I get all this junk mail on the post all the time and <laughs> I put it in a pile and if it ever becomes um, irrelevant, it'll, it'll get taken out of the box. But that's right, if, especially if you're not on a platform yeah. and it's on you and all those bits of paper – and we've had clients rock up with a big box saying, can I throw some of this stuff out now? Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. That's right. Depends. Uh, um, so share purchase plans are a big part of the market and uh, a very valid part of the market. And you've always got to ask yourself, what well, you look at the price, look at your holding, do you want to add more or not? Be be very, you know, it's, they're not always great deals, are they, Tim, that, that right, come yeah. across? That's right. You've got, you got to ask yourself, why? Yeah. What, what's going on? And yeah. And there's there's lots of th- different things to look at. And and for example, like a real case I looked at where you got a pre earnings tech company, and they, they on the email I said you know we want to do balance sheet strength and fund existing projects. Yeah. But when you look a bit deeper, they've run out of cash. They're running yeah. out of cash. And, That's right. And so you got to question yourself. Okay, well this is actually a lifeline. You know all the mm. balaver in the letter that yeah. all sounds good. They, they all sound very similar. Yeah. But then you have other options where you know they're making an acquisition. Or in the case of the banks, they've just got to fix up their capital ratios. Yeah. So there's there's all sorts of different things. You need to think about it from an objective point of view. A bit, bit like a sunk cost calculation where forget about the past. This is 30 grand of your hard-earned dollar dues. This is the best place for it. That's right. That's yeah. right. Does this make sense? Yeah. Uh, move on to the next one. Tim Wright's issues. What can you tell us about those? Okay. So this, this, this is where it's, a, it's a, um, a proportion of what you currently have. So... A rights issue can also be called an enticement offer. Mm-hmm. And there's all sorts of terms that, you know, it makes it sound more confusing than it is. So, for example, an accelerated rights issue just means it's one that has a short time frame. Yep. Um, underwritten just means that uh, a third party will buy up any shares that aren't taken up. Yep. So, you know, if they're trying to do a, a funder project, well, they definitely will get the money. Yep. Um, they, they, might, uh, they might have a scale back or a shortfall facility. Mm-hmm. And that's where... If not everybody takes up the rights, you can then apply for them. Mm-hmm. And they can be renounceable or non-renounceable. Mm-hmm. And as the word sounds, it just means you can choose, if it's renounceable, you can actually sell your right. entitlements to somebody else. Yep. If it's non-renounceable, then bad luck. If yep. you don't want it, then yeah. Nothing. Take it or leave it. Yeah. Yep. Um, and the, the the real key thing here is um, you've got to be aware of 
even with share purchase plans is this is why um, having, I suppose I'll call it, trying to talk positively about why wearing some of clients' lives is the paperwork means you've got deadlines. Mm. And if you've got a really lucrative, and I've seen some pretty lucrative share purchase plans and rights issues, if if you want to maintain your percentage holding in that company, you should be taking that rights issue up. Yes. Yeah. And if you miss the deadline, miss the cutoff, don't take it up, it's gone. That's right. And, that, and that's, I guess, what comes down to the, the institutional placement versus the retail placement. Yeah. Seems like they don't really care about the retail guys as much. Sometimes it's not a, not as commercial and... And it's up to you. The responsibility is on you. If you let it slide, well, you are now diluted. You've got to think of it from an earnings per share point of view. Yep. If there's more shares on offer, then you know, your, your cut of the profit at the end of the day is less. Yep. Um, no, and it's really important that you um, you keep an eye on your mail. If you're going to go away for six months <laughs> you know, and your mail's being bailed up somewhere, you might miss out on two or three of these offers, which could add three, four, five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 of value to your portfolio yeah, yeah. Um, just p- purely by taking these offers up. That's, that's right. And, and the bank ones during COVID were re- all good. Yes. And, you know, the Afterpay one we mentioned, that was also a really good one. Yeah. And this is money for free because don't forget that even if you don't want to beef up your position, if it's a really good offer, you can take it up and sell. Yeah, correct. And instantly pocket that difference. So yeah. it's – we've had plenty of cases where they're like, ah, oh, Tony – we don't want to increase our position to this. Well, that's yeah. all right. Take up your rights and sell what you got now. Yeah. Yeah. Done. Beautiful. Lock, lock in the profit. That's right. And, then, and that's dollars in your pocket that, you know, why wouldn't you take that? Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Um, it, it, it is, um, it, you know, so I think that there are lots of terms there that Tim's used that are really valid and I think it helps um, make sure you go back and, and, and understand what those all are. Um uh, other capital raisings that you see, Tim, is there anything else that we come across that, um, you know, particularly you think the listeners should should hear about? Um, there's, there's, all, there's all sorts of other things like buybacks. That, it's not capital raising, but no. there's corporate actions that, and those are probably the three most common we get. Um, and depending share on what buybacks. they do, yeah, share yeah. buybacks. There's stock splits and stuff like that where, you know, they're, they're trying to lower the cost. So mm. you think about like Apple and Amazon where, you know, it might be a thousand bucks. Well, if you do a split, it's more likely small investors are going to buy it yep. and you'll see the share price jump up yep. purely based on that, right? The, yeah. the value of the company hasn't changed. Yeah. Uh, but these are the main ones in terms of the ones that we deal with uh, yeah. on a regular basis. It's interesting. I think it's – I'll just probably use this opportunity to talk even about – you've got to be really careful in an investment sense and I'm going to use the travel companies during COVID as an example – where Flight Centre went from being, I think, Tim, between 40 and $50, they dropped to sub-10. I think they did a capital raising at $7.50, I want to say, off the top of my head. And they had to raise, because they were running out of cash, they needed to get through COVID, they raised um, something like two more ta- two times their equity base at $7.50, which was hugely dilutive to the share price. Once the share price started recovering, um, obviously at the moment, you can't expect because there's now such a large equity base. You can't expect the share price of Flight Center to go back to forty or fifty dollars again, because now we've got a, a three times as many shares on issue. Absolutely, and that comes down to the earnings per share, right? Yeah. And, and a lot of the technical analysis guys or the guys who, if you just look at the chart and go, oh, well, COVID's nearly over, right? Yeah, yeah. Shouldn't the share price go back up again? Yeah. Well, you know the the you know the valuation depend depending on you know that. It, you, you can't look at that alone, you know. It, no. The, the recovery might already be priced in it at the current rates, right? Yep. It might look okay, but on the chart, it looks like it's got yep. boundless upside, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, that, that, and that's where you um, you really need to be careful to look at some fundamentals behind the scenes and 
Um, and I think the number, Flight Center even now at $20, $21, just as an example, is this equivalent. It's actually a higher market cap value than when it was $48 from memory. So yes, that's right. it's um, you know something to really keep in mind. Um, you know, is there anything else, you know, probably, I mean, we've been through a massive amount of co- um, capital raisings during COVID. Why, is there any other reasons why companies are raising money, Tim? Like, what, what is, is there anything else you're seeing in the market? Well, I think it's the other way around. I think, you know, you know when, when you get one of these come across your desk, your, yes, you think, what are you guys doing? You know, yeah. What are you up to? Yeah. And, and it just comes to, you got to ask yourself, does this project or the company on its own, forgetting what you've put into it previously, have yeah. merits from this point forwards? Yeah. And then even if it is an attractive discount, yep. what are the alternatives? Is, it, is there something else out there that looks yep. good that yep. you could make potentially the same return yep. in the same time frame? Yep. And then another one, it's a bit harder, but does management have skin in the game? Are they taking up their rights? We've seen um, during COVID, a lot of, a lot of these um, directors, they, they're selling shares. And yes. when they're queried about like what's going on, they say, oh, we just want to diversify our portfolio, blah, blah, blah. It's like, hmm, you are at the at the coal mine forefront of this project mm. and you're selling yeah. that, that what, and you want my money? Come yeah. on, come yeah. on. But, um, <laughs> and then, and then post that, I guess is let's, let's say it's a, you know, a mine or whatever. How, is there news flow that's going to kick this in complicated? Cause if they're just starting it up and it's going to take years to get operational. Yeah. What's the catalyst or news from this point onwards that you think that the share price is going to trump up now. Yeah. Because don't forget, a lot of the times when they announce a capital raising, because it is dilutive, yep. the share price will initially fall. Yeah. And so we've had a pretty good run during COVID where they've all gone up, right? Yep. But in normal times, that's not always the case. And sometimes they'll flounder or whatever. And it, mm. I guess it depends on the reason why. Yep. But of of the cases, I, I just think you sometimes the discount might be 8%. And relatively speaking, especially in these markets, right, eight percent's not that much. <laughs> not when it's moving as volatile. That's as right. It is today. That's right. Yeah. So you got to really think about what you're doing. Yeah, and, and it's a good point. I think that I I really value your point on the um the people who if there there's people selling like um, directors or so on selling, it's often a bit of a smell test. That's right. Yeah. As to uh, follow the money sort of attitude as to where where the money's going and and you can actually pick that data up. I think from ASX.com. .au from the website, they give you weekly maybe, I think, director's sales. Yeah, yeah. we also have research providers that kind of tell us little corporate actions of everything yes. that's going on. And, and and when it's a significant move, they have to announce that, right? Yeah. So, so there's there's ways you can see it. Yep. And I'll tell you what, the news is, the news is on it. When some when the director sells, they're like, well, oh, that's interesting. Hey, yeah, everybody, the, look at this. Financial <laughs> review, uh, normally pick up on that stuff pretty quickly. Um, Tim, I know we talked offline about um, some couple of examples in the US um, about poison pills and, and capital raisings that are a bit um, a bit different. Uh, can you give us, run us through what that what that looks like? Yeah, so th- this is ex- essentially using capital raising or the dilutive effects of capital raising in a strategic manner. Mm. And so, I mean, obviously the big one that everyone's talking about now is Twitter, right? So yeah. Elon Musk, who, you know, very eccentric, um, he's gone out and said, oh, I think that Twitter should be uh, more unbiased and yeah. we should have flat earthers and Trump, you know, <laughs> talk about whatever you want. And, um, and he sort of joked about, oh, gosh, should I buy it? And he actually did the wrong thing because he was secretly acquiring shares and he didn't um, he didn't disclose it, so he had to pay a fine. All yes, good. yeah. But then when he actually started to make his move, the Twitter um, board said, "Well, let's let's defend ourselves. Let's yeah. defend ourselves." So yeah. what they do is they essentially do a, it's called a limited duration shareholding rights plan. So so if any person acquires a beneficial ownership of at least fifty percent of Twitter's outstanding um, common stock yeah. without board approval. Other shareholders will be able to purchase additional shares at a discount. Yeah. So you can get at a discount. Um, you can dilute 
the you know the existing um, Twitter mm. holding by Musk, mm. and the share price is held up because of the takeover assumption, mm. and so it doesn't stop him, and it hasn't right, mm. but it just makes it less attractive. Yeah, um, and so and you might ask yourself, well, that's odd. Tr- he's trying to buy it at a premium. Wouldn't you be happy about that? You're about to make some money. Mm. Well, it de- it depends. It depends. Like so, there's there's, there's upsides and downsides of, of these takeovers, and. And one is like for for the for the investors who don't have money to to participate in this poison pill, you you just got diluted. Yes, that was the intention, right? But if you didn't have the money to kick in, well, bad luck. You just like Musk got yeah. stuffed over. Now, and the other thing is, well, if you're going to deploy these sorts of tactics, well, that just makes you less attractive to corporates in the future. Yes. So we love takeovers in Australia. Right? If you're yeah. in Sydney airports, then whoa, right? You Make just made a money. bunch of money. Yeah. Well, if you're going to play silly buggy games, well, then maybe, you know, these private equity funds don't look at you as much no, next time. They, it's hard to deal with. And lastly, if you do have a bunch of incompetence in the board of directors, well, things like poison pills make sure they keep their jobs and their bonuses. You know? Yeah, I know. That's the very cynical way of, but probably reality of, of some of these situations. It's... um. Yeah, no, it's uh, very fair points, and it's going to be interesting to see how that Twitter situation plays out. Um, but just, just, just on the flip side, though. Yeah. Um, why, why would you? Another, another aspect of it. Well, why would you want to stop something where the money's going to go up? Well, one of the reasons is sometimes they do it in a weird. They're doing it for a weird, real reason. So, for example, you might have someone who's trying to, you know, basically just get their get their cronies into your board of directors, mm-hmm. and once they got control of your board of directors, try and manipulate things away from them. So we've seen that with energy, right? Oil and gas. Yep. You've got these sort of um, activists yep. telling Shell, like, oh, you've got to bloody, you know, hug trees and whatever. Yep. And share, and that, that might not be good for all shareholders. They might say, well, we want money. Yeah. And so, you know, you have a bit of a conflict. Yep. And, and another example is the Papa John's, right? Yep. So I'm not going to talk about what um, the ousted founder, John Shatter, did. Mm. You can Google it in your own time, but yep. it wasn't very nice. No. But basically, they kicked him out, and he said, "Well, I want back in." Yep. And so they poison pilled him and said, "Get out of here!" <laughs> they kicked him out. Puppet. That's the pizza company, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Look, I think capital raising is funny. I mean, we're seeing it a little bit with AGO at the moment with Cannon Brooks. Um, we've seen it from time to time. I think the, it's probably worth noting that if you shareholders. Um, you can stay off the public radar until you hit 5% before you have to disclose that you're a shareholder of these companies. So, um, yeah, and and the other thing that boards can do is they can do capital raisings and um, find or use that they allocate it to friendly institutions rather than unfriendly institutions as well that might support the board, which is another whole world of, of capital raising. So, Tim, thank you very much for joining us today, mate. It's been a good whirl around. If you've got any questions about capital raisings, I'm sure Tim and myself will be able to help you answer those questions. (laughs) Uh, And I'm sure it's not the last time we're going to talk about capital raisings in this building. So thanks for your time again. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you.